Hey everyone, I'm here at Insights Consulting. Uh, this is a fantastic company. I used to work here for 12 years and one of the founders is Yuri van den Berg. Uh, he's one of the founders and also still managing partners of Insights. And uh, next to his role as a partner here, he is also one of the experts in the world in terms of the new generations. He wrote a bestseller and a global award-winning book called How Cool Brands Stay Hot. And for me, Yuri is still one of the leading voices to understand the next generation. And as my book is about customers the day after tomorrow, I really want to have a chat with Yuri to find out what that group, people the day after tomorrow, what they feel like, what they think like. So let's go inside and interview my good buddy, Yuri van den Berg. Okay, Yuri, thanks for uh, helping me out with uh, the new book, Customers the Day After Tomorrow. I'm very glad that you wanted to make some time because you are the expert about next gen and how next generations um, buy stuff and how they look into marketing and stuff like that. So if I would ask you, the customer, the day after tomorrow, and you would have to describe that future generation, how would you do that? Oh, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, not one easy to respond to. I think um, the next generation of consumers, um, the way I define it, is people uh, aged below 36. Okay. So that's, we call it Generation Y or the Millennials. Okay. They um, have been raised in a different way than previous generations. And I'm, I'm part of the previous generation myself, Gen X. When, when we were consumers, uh, we were, let's call it, the first generation that had the ability to buy all these cool US foreign brands. Mm -hmm. And um, it made us very eager to buy our coolness by actually using the right type of products. So now we go back 20 years in, in time. Yeah. When I was young, it was all about selecting the right products to belong to a group of people that was using the same brand, the same product. For your personal... For your personal identity, identity okay. for your lifestyle. Actually, the brands were defining your lifestyle. Okay. If I compare that to today, mm -hmm. you see that today it's the people that are the brands. It's not the brands anymore. Um, because they've been raised in different times, there's so much um, availability of different products, branded, non-branded products. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's so many choices and they have learned from their parents that it's all up to them. They're in charge. They can decide whatever will happen in the household at mm -hmm. home. Uh, at school, they've learned to be more extrovert, to take their own responsibilities. Okay. So that's the way this new generation is also looking at brands. They're not just buying brands. They are demanding things from brands. They are in the driver's seat. I think that's a, a huge difference. Okay, and what does that, if you think about marketing for the X generation, then it was advertising, commercial, showing off beautiful people using beautiful products. Yeah. What does this mean for marketing towards this new generation then? Well, it means, Stephen, that it doesn't work that way anymore because the, the brands that are uh, portraying coolness or trying to show off coolness, per definition, are uncool okay. to this new generation because only the ones who are not cool are showing that type of behavior. Okay. So it comes back to uh, letting consumers in and letting the consumer decide, actually, the new generation, what to do with brands. And it's only cool when I say, or not me, but when the young generation says, okay, this is a cool brand, I like it because of this, that and that. And okay. so it's more about not top-down communication, but communicating not just at the same level, but asking your 
target groups to communicate about you when they think it's cool. Okay, and do they still get influenced by certain things or is it is that impossible to influence them in their decision making? Yeah, what we see is that they're certainly influenced by influencers, mm -hmm. but the influencers today are not the traditional marketing campaigns or not the celebrities even um, used in commercials at least. So it's more people like them, peers you could say, of the same age who um, often suddenly came out of nowhere and started their own YouTube channel mm -hmm. from they were only eight years old, become popular and then start promoting at a certain point certain products or certain brands or just giving some suggestions on how you can use brands or when you can use brands. And so the new influencers are actually people who are the same age or like them, could be the boy or girl next door. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also portrayed in, in the way they are consuming uh, media. So they're, as you know, they're watching their tablets, they're watching YouTube and they see many different types of influencers when compared to uh, 10 years ago when everyone was watching the same TV shows and the advertising within the, the programs. Yeah. So today it's more about um, finding relevant people, people that have an influence, um, but, and that's the, the real challenge, is that it's not just these one or two or five uh, big YouTube stars. It's, it could be anyone surrounding the, the consumer today. So it's more about finding micro-influencers, people that um, are seen as relevant mm -hmm. to your product, to your brand, and involving them in your marketing to spread the message about, about your brand. Okay. And that works as, I mean, as a marketeer, if you reach out to those vloggers or Instagram celebrities, the, the buyers or the, the other consumers, they don't get that, that marketing is pushing them to maybe promote something. Is that a trap to fall into as a marketer? It, it could be a trap. Of course, they get it. Uh, I think the best vloggers um, are the ones who are very open and transparent about the fact that they're actually like this vlog is sponsored by brand X or Y. Um, so when it's in the open, when it's transparent, it's not really a problem for the next gens. Um, the trap is that it's not so simple just to give some money to some vloggers and then say, now spread my brand message. Mm -hmm. um, one, the, the real successful ones won't be interested in that way. And two, if it's not relevant um, for your brand, for the DNA of your brand, for the type of products or the lifestyle that you're trying to, to get, then exactly the, the, the critical, the marketing critical generation will immediately sense, okay, you're just trying to Fake. sell something. And it's the same buying of coolness that we used to do with commercials. Uh, that won't work. If it's fake, okay. it won't work. And if you look at product services, what are like the, the key benefits or the key things that the next generation find really important when they buy something? Well, I think it's still finding a brand that's uh, very close uh, to my own interests. Okay. Um, so I call it the self-identification mm -hmm. attribute of brands. It means the brand is like uh, a mirror to me. It reflects the passions, the interests that I'm having. Mm -hmm. The only difficulty is um, young people 10 years ago used to have the same five types of lifestyles or interests. Yeah. 
today it's like a wide bunch of a crazy variety of, of different lifestyles and micro interests and micro passions. Yeah. So, um, especially for multinationals that used to um, define like a brand X uh, is always involved with sports. Mm -hmm. Brand Y is always sponsoring music. Today doesn't make sense anymore because um, there's so many brands, there's so many micro passions yeah. and you need to be relevant in every aspect of the lifestyle of millennials or, or next chance. Okay. So it's more about adapting your tone of voice mm -hmm. and even your brands to brands you choose at certain touch points rather than spreading one message okay. or targeting one lifestyle. Does that also mean that the concept of segmentation becomes less relevant and that it's more about hyper-personalization towards this group and that you should stop thinking in segments as a marketeer today? Yeah, I fully agree. Um, segment, defining segments became very, very difficult mm -hmm. because one next-gen today is different when he would be here with us in this context, at this yeah. moment, in, in this mood, in this location. When he's on a music festival with his friends, he will need other things, other brands even. Yeah. So segmenting just on uh, one lifestyle or even age is not the real thing to do. Mm -hmm. Today it's more about defining different micro passions that are in line with what could be interesting to your brand okay. and then translating that in a conversation with the consumer that is relevant in that specific moment, in that location, with that specific brand or sub-brand or different brand. Okay. Do you have an example of companies that are doing a good job in that? Uh, well, I think um, one of the brands that I spoke to recently, or companies, was AB InBev. Okay. And I explained that I switched from, um, for instance, when they sponsor a music festival, instead of covering the whole music festival with one brand, mm -hmm. they will uh, do it more below the line. And even with the same brand, use uh, like different um, point of sales material that is more in line with the environment, with the type of music that is playing on a certain stage. So they really understand that they should adapt um, rather context. The to the context at the moment, to the type of people that will be there, but also to the mood in which people are, yeah. because people will switch from one stage to the other stage. So it's often it's the same people, but they have other needs, they have other feelings at that yeah. time. And the brand should be hyper adaptive to that and change the way they communicate, even change the type of uh, brands that they're selling at that point. Yeah. I think that's a good example. Okay. And if you look at um, another um, driver for purchasing. How, how important is convenience for them versus other parameters? I think it's the number one, to be honest. It's all about convenience. I think um, what we often see is that NextGen isn't necessarily looking for a brand, but they're always looking for a solution. And it's, okay. well, most of the time, it's a fast solution yeah. to, their, to their needs. And whether it's brand X or Y, or even unbranded, it doesn't matter if the quality is good, if it delivers what they need at, at that point, then it's okay. So it's all about being fast, being, being there at the right moment, the right time. Okay. We're talking about the next generation, about what they expect, personalization adapted to the context, convenience. Um, imagine someone is watching this and is thinking, okay, this is not for me because my average customer is like 49 years old. Mm -hmm. um, can you 
make an extrapolation about the next generation and adapt that to the older generation, or is that a bridge too far? I wouldn't think it's a bridge too far, Stephen. Um, I think today, um, I call it a flat age society. Okay. Uh, what we see is that on one hand, the younger people are growing up faster, which means they are adapting the behavior of their parents because they want to grow up faster. Um, on the other hand, the parents, uh, and that's the Peter Pan effect, they want to stay young forever. And they are imitating the behavior of their kids because they feel younger when they do. So they go to the same type of festivals, they buy the same brands, they buy the same clothes, they look like their daughters. Mm -hmm. And it means that the difference between age groups is, is disappearing. Uh, because if the younger imitate the old and the old imitate the younger, then it means that everyone is pretty uh, pretty much doing the same type, type of behavior. So what we often see in our research is, um, let's, let's take uh, messaging, for instance, or messenger apps. When we see this uh, rising like a couple of years ago, like Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp, we know that in a couple of, it used to be years, but today it's a couple of months, all the generations will also start using these apps and the same tools. Yeah not just because they want to imitate the young, but also because it's often their only way to communicate yeah, with, with their kids. So that's, it means that the, the, the differences between uh, different age groups are really disappearing. And so when it comes to, um, uh, yeah, when it comes to finding fast solutions, I think the age of impatience is something that all generations today uh, feel. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's a paradox, you could say, because um, people have more free time than they used sure. to have. And thanks to automation of a lot of tasks in the household, yeah. we have many more time to spend with our kids or to do the things we like to do. But on the other end, we, we want, we are very impatient and we want to have like high level experiences in everything we do, not just at work, at work but also on holidays. We want to experience a lot. We want to see the entire country in yeah. five days. Yeah. Um, every weekend needs to have a certain goal and certain achievements. Yeah. So to save uh, time to be able to have more this exploration of life or this experience in life, we want to cut on the tasks that can be automated. We don't want repetitive tasks. And of course, buying household products or groceries, it's quite boring. repetitive. Yeah. It's, well, it's, often it's boring, yeah. or a certain part of shopping is boring. Yeah. So if we can save time, then for every generation, it's, it's definitely the way to go. Well, it's, it must be really challenging for brands now because we're getting used to all these new experiences so fast. Um, I saw someone using Uber the other day and uh, actually it's a piece of magic. You, you push a button and a car shows up, but people were complaining that Uber said it would take three minutes and it took three minutes and 30 seconds mm -hmm. and the car parked 100 meters further than where they were. They say, what the hell's wrong with this service today? Oh, they, they, they made two huge mistakes and then you think, hey, this was magic two years ago. Now we're complaining that there's like this very tiny difference. I, I wonder how brands will deal with this and how they can catch up, especially not the technology platforms, but all the others that I have the feeling that they're at a, a lower level at this moment. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea how, how, how they deal with that certain companies that you've seen with, with that rat race of increasing expectations of, of users? Yeah, the, the expectations are certainly rising. Um, 
I think it's it's um, there is an there's an, an end and a limit to how far you can go in being there like in a snap and offering the service uh, like in a split second. Uh, there, there are limits and. Perhaps consumers have to learn that they're getting used to uh, a service level that's uh, above expectations uh, or above what people can really deliver. Yeah. Um, so I guess at a certain point I will understand, like, apart from having a fast delivery of services, it's also about quality. And um, something that is fast is not always the best quality. Mm -hmm. So I think it will be a trade-off between um, you really need to buy this online and get it delivered within one hour, or I actually I don't need it before the weekend, so I can wait two days um, and get something delivered, of which I'm sure that it's mm -hmm. good. Okay. So I think that, that will be one uh, con consumer reaction. What we see on the other hand is um, that the conversation is important. It's about managing expectations, right, mm -hmm. in delivering services. Yeah. And it, it's, I think we promised too much to consumers at a certain point, or at least the idea of uh, improving technologies gives us the feeling that we will get the best at any moment. Um, I think these expectations should be managed and it means a better conversation with consumers, um, a direct conversation um, in which we can utter our complaints immediately, we are heard and the people behind the brand, and that's the human factor then of the brand, will respond to my complaints and will find solutions. So it's, I think that the only thing brands and companies can do to cater to this high demanding uh, consumers is mm -hmm. to listen to them and to yeah, ask how they can improve their services and their brands yeah. to, to, to have a better solution for them at yeah. any moment. Last question. What is your favorite brand? My favorite yeah. brand? Yeah, and why? Your Ooh. personal, not, not the theory, but just for you as a, as a person. As a person, I would say Nike. Okay, okay. Because, well, it's a combination of personal and, and professional interests. Yeah. Uh, I, I do watch different brands to understand how do they respond to these changing generations. And mm -hmm. to me, Nike is always at least six months to one year before other brands okay. when it comes to understanding um, how uh, needs are changing. And they show it in their campaigns, they show it in brand activations, they, they show it in products. I will give you some examples. Um, Nike was the first to, to launch this hyper-adaptive shoes, mm -hmm. the self-lacing shoe, that yeah. in the first 1.0 version is, is it's self-lacing, that's already that's yeah, that's really the Back to the Future movie, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's, that's great, but the idea behind it is that the technology uh, in the shoe is increasing and it will allow Nike in the end to um, adapt to the changing environment of the user of the shoe. So when you're walking you will have other laced shoes than when you're running, when you're running uh, in the, in a, not on the street but in a different uh, surrounding it will change to whatever your foot needs at that time. So it's a hyper adaptive product. Um, and that to me, it, that's, it's, it's fantastic, fantastic yeah, it's because fantastic. it's not just innovation in, in the traditional way, but also yeah. in the hyper-adaptation. Uh, also in the tone of voice, they understand like, um, the imp 
perfections become more important. Mm -hmm. And as the market leader in an industry, it's not so uh, normal that they are capable of changing their tone of voice from the just do it to, you know, you can do sports in your way. As long as you do sports, it's okay. Yeah. And you can be an imperfect sporter, just do it the way you like to, to do it. Yeah. You don't need to be an athlete. And that's the company that has been saying everyone should become an athlete, should become perform better. Today, the company is saying, oh, don't overperform. Uh, enjoy, have fun, have fun. Um, and it's one of the companies that, that really understand what's changing in society. Uh, they, they also did the, um, the whole series of YouTube videos all related to the time issue. Yeah. Um, save time by not going to Facebook, for instance, or social media. We summarize what's happened on your social media. And during this 45 minutes that you saved, you can go for a run. So I, th yeah. I think they do, they, really they're nice. doing some great campaigns as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Yuri. I appreciate the time and the input. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs>